The views and opinions expressed on the podcasting couch are solely those of the contributors and do not reflect those of our other guest sponsors or distributors. Appearances on this podcast should not be viewed as an endorsement of any other guest, past or future. <laughs> Coming to you via the magic of the internet, it is episode 35 of The Podcasting Couch, a podcast in which I, your host, Chris Carlson, sit down with content creators and discuss their lives, inspirations, methodology, and anything else that may come up during the conversation. My guest this week is Derek Graziano, host of the Sometimes Geek podcast, a podcast that includes all of the major news from the gaming industry and the occasional review in a quick and to-the-point format. Derek takes all of his time spent pulling in gaming news every day and compresses it into easy-to-listen-to episodes covering the headlines as a lifelong gamer. This week, we discussed long-form podcasting and how it compares to short-form, coming up with a title, navigating a saturated field, and more. This week's song is Where the Wasps Are by Queen Wolf off of the album Hallow Queen. Queen Wolf describes themselves as a wolf pack of five that's all out of bubblegum, with influence is including Fiona Apple, Converge, Queens of the Stone Age, Queen, Django Reinhardt, musical theater, horror movies, science fiction, and science fact. We're going to listen to Where the Wasps Are and then jump right into my conversation with Derek. This is The Podcasting Couch. We'll be right back. a co-host on the show and now you don't have a uh now you're the the sole 
showrunner. Yeah, um, so I uh, basically I started out with it being just a, a two man podcast. Uh, originally, the show started with uh, basically just getting into it. Basically, what happened was a friend of my friend Drew and myself would sit on Xbox Live and play Minecraft and Halo and stuff like that, and we would just BS about whatever whatever we would have come to mind. And typically it was geeky stuff. So movies or comics or TV shows or predominantly video games. So when I started the show, he was originally a co-host and he was there for probably about six months or so into it before life just kind of got in the way and he just couldn't make the calls once a week. And it basically turned into me just trying to recreate the same show we were doing by myself, which didn't exactly work out all that well. Yeah. I, 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 I know uh, from experience as well that kind of keeping, keeping a schedule uh, just by yourself is, is difficult enough. Um, in these shows where I see multiple hosts, I can't imagine the, uh, the amount of stress that goes into coordinating, making sure that a consistent product is, is put out every week. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a buddy of mine who I've met through podcasting who does a show with four people, including himself. And I can't even, I was thinking about that this earlier today, and I can't even imagine trying to coordinate that many people in the same room, nonetheless. Yeah, that, that sounds like logistics hell. Um, <laughs> and not something that I would want to do. Just, just, just doing this, um, you know, just, just, uh, coordinating with one person on some day, um, just to to put out uh in the future because you know the nice thing about this show is that since it's not really current um Mm -hmm. i can i can record in advance but even 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 you know coordinating that sometimes can can be a bit of a struggle and i can't imagine having to consistently make sure that you're scheduling every single week and not 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 messing that up um yeah but on the other hand of it like getting that motivation to record by yourself, especially after starting a two man show, it was kind of one of those, okay, we're going to record this day. I know I have to show up for it. I can't skip this because he's not going to do it. I'm the one who's recording on my end. And then having him drop out of that, you would get those days like, Oh, okay, well I'm going to do this solo. It's not as good. I'm not enjoying it as much. Maybe I record tomorrow instead. And <laughs> it just, it, it became a nightmare. Right. So, so I, I, I want to shift over a little bit on, on mm-hmm. kind of staying on that same topic of, of shifting from the two man show to the, to the one man show. I think the, um, the format of the show ha- has kind of shifted with, with that as well, um, to a, a bit of a more short form, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a show. And I'm curious what your experience has been, um, the, the kind of the, the pros and cons of, of the two different kinds of mediums, uh, that being, you know, short form versus longer form podcasting. Uh, well, for one, short form actually worked out to be easier for me, uh, trying to hold a conversation basically by myself for, you know, anything over 30 minutes was just, it felt like it was dragging. I would go off on tangents, which didn't really fit the show's theme and, Ultimately, like, especially with the original format where it was two guys kind of joking back and forth about these topics, doing that by yourself with no feedback doesn't really work all that well. <laughs> so, uh, moving over to the solo stuff and then focusing just on the, uh, the major headlines, my basic opinions of them and things like that. I can go ahead and talk about that. It's, it's basically the same conversations I would have that if someone walked up to me and said, Hey, you know, this thing's going on with, uh, EA, for example. What do you think about that? (laughs) And I would put out this, you know, eight minute tangent of what I think about this subject, and then they would chime in. So instead of doing that, keeping the short format, I could swap over to another topic and then another topic and then knock out episodes to be closer to about 20 minutes. Uh, The downside of that is, is you find people a lot of the time saying, oh, well, you know, I want to find something for my commute. I commute for two hours or, hey, I want to listen to a podcast at work that's going to take up some time. It doesn't really fit all that well into that. Uh, but the way I've approached it is there's plenty of that out there. The whole reason I'm doing a shorter show is as an alternative. So you're not wasting the hours that I do every week on, you know, gaming websites and listening to other gaming podcasts and stuff like that. 
Right. So, so what is the, what is the process of, of, uh, gathering sort of the, the different topics and, and, and doing the, the research to, to contextualize, um, the, the, the sort of relevance of those, those headlines and those topics, uh, for an episode? So, it actually, this is kind of what led into me starting the podcast was the fact that I was already on, you know, Kotaku and IGN and Polygon and Eurogamer and all these different gaming websites and, and listening to all these different gaming podcasts. So I was already absorbing that information anyway. So throughout the days of the week, you know, on breaks at work and whatnot, or right after I get home, I'll hop onto one of the news websites and kind of just see what's going on just to keep myself up to date. Afterwards, then what I like to do is um, typically Tuesdays, the same day I record, I'll just kind of go do a, a uh, once over, say, okay, well, I remember this story. I remember this story, but here's all the other headlines going on and kind of pick and choose what I want to talk about and, and uh, compress it into a short form of uh, show notes, basically just some highlights, quotes that I want to cover and repeat things like that. And, and, and so so how much of the show is is sort of uh written out beforehand and and how much of it is is like off the cuff um bullet points and then just uh kind of going from there uh you know i've actually started doing more scripting of the show notes but i would say probably five percent of it's pre-scripted and the <laughs> other 95 percent is just straight off the cuff and it's actually really funny is when people talk about the recording process, for me, I don't even pre-record my intros. Like, I don't have a canned intro, a canned outro that I tack on. I do it straight in, so that way it just follows that free-form conversation style into the full show. So, if I flub something in my intro or in the initial reviews that I do at the beginning of each episode, I will scrap that five, ten minutes and completely redo it. Oof. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Yep. <laughs> but but in, the, in the same breath, it keeps that casual conversation style to it. And that's what I like to, to have my show be based on. I don't want it to be just this, you know, weekly news that you would see on TV. It's more of uh, you're chatting with a friend about all these topics. Right. And because I know uh, personally, you know, I, I obviously this the the bulk of this show is is off the cuff um just by the nature of what it is Mm -hmm. but the you know the intros are completely scripted as are the outros uh and and even those are only like you know maybe two minutes maybe three on a long one and i i get frustrated just whenever i have to scrap even just like (laughs) 30 seconds of 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 recording oh yeah no it's like it gets frustrating everyone talks about oh, okay well you know there was a question that came up in one of the podcasting groups i'm in of of someone posting oh hey i had to scrap my first episode because i lost the audio for it and i've never had to scrap an entire episode but i figure i've made up for it on the other stuff but oh, yeah. even with it not being scripted like my intro my outro i've done it so many times at this point that you could basically call it scripted. Like I know how it's going to be worded leading into the show. Um, talking about, you know, the different social media I'm on, where to find the episodes, things like that. And even then I still end up flubbing half of it. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I want to kind of shift a little bit to, um, the, the idea of something that I, I, I've noticed, you know, when I going through this, this, when I, when I do this podcast, you know, when I look for, when I look for guests, um, one of the things that I, I was doing in initially was I was reaching out to podcasts that I listen to. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, I, I can only listen to so many podcasts. Um, and so I had to start kind of branching out into topics that, that, aren't things that necessarily pertain to me or aren't things that I listen to. And one of those fields is, is this, which is, uh, you know, gaming. Um, I am the, the definition of casual. Um, I have like a PS4 that has been sitting in my basement since we moved (laughs) because I haven't had the time to take it out and plug it in. Uh, I'm worried about my daughter getting a hold of it and breaking it. And so I just have not taken it out instead and um 
but I'm not I'm not broken up about that either. I you yeah, know the, the yeah. majority of gaming that I do is is on my phone anymore. Um, and, and and there's and not to not to go off on a tangent, but like there's uh, there's plenty of games out there that are actually really cool mobile games. Uh, specifically, I've been playing a uh, a game called oh, I'm going to blank on the name of it, uh, Layton's Mystery Journey, which literally came out a couple months ago on mobile and just like I want to say within the last two weeks or so came out on the uh, Nintendo 3DS. So mobile gaming, like everyone calls it casual. No, there are some solid actual released games on it. Right. Yeah. I was talking with, with my wife about that the other day. Um, and by the other, I mean like it's a few months ago, but I was playing, um, I, I don't remember what it was. It was one of those um, like 3d arena fighting games that were big for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and I remember just kind of having to take a step back for a second, you know, and, and, and thinking, you know, when I, when I was a kid, you know, when we were playing on like, uh, you know, Super Nintendos and N64s and the amount of computing power behind that and what it was rendering and how these phones are able to, to, to render, you know, something magnitudes better in your pocket. And I, I, I can't get over like the, what I consider nothing less than a miracle of technology, you know, that, that we're able to hold these things in our hands that put to shame dedicated systems from, you know, decades ago. And yet we still, we still, uh, we get into the retro gaming stuff and, you know, 8-bit stuff is super popular and things like that so even though there's all these advances some of that classic stuff still holds true oh absolutely i think and that's something that to to be said about uh why i think that you know gameplay is is so much more important than graphics you know even like uh oh absolutely i I, i've always been a fan of um you know cell shaded games and i think Mm -hmm. they've, they've come a long way but it's still the same basic uh uh look it might be a little sharper now but um you know, I think those kind of stylized things I prefer over uh, that sort of lifelike, uh, just reaching the uncanny valley sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and ultimately, as you kind of touched on, gameplay itself is 90% going to keep me interested in something between that or story. Um, I actually just recently got the uh, Xbox One X and hooked it up, and within the next day, I was playing a game that I've played for over a year now called Shovel Knight. That's a uh, 16-bit style side-scroller. It's like, yay, I can play it in 4K, but I just kind of want to <laughs> play this right now. Right. Yeah. It. Um, I, I think that was one of the things that I was really um, interested in when, when I first got my PS4, you know, when I first booted it up and everything in one of the games. Uh, I, I think it I think it shipped with Fez. Um, and, and I remember, like, this is not a... <laughs> insanely graphically impressive game uh by any stretch of the imagination but it was so much fun and um you know and so it, it, it i think you're you know it it does go to show that gameplay is so much more important that substance is better than appearance um absolutely so i i want to kind of shift gears back to um what it, what it was uh wondering and that's you know with one thing that i've noticed in the podcasting world is is that the there's a few areas that seem to be really saturated areas um that being you know the four guys with microphones podcasts um true crime and (laughs) true crime and uh one of them is uh gaming i've noticed is Uh seems to be a fairly saturated market and i'm i'm just curious what your experience has been as far as sort of navigating the field of 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 marketing uh in such a saturated market so with gaming stuff basically just kind of to a little bit of a, of a back to it. Gaming itself is so competitive and coming in with a podcast, trying to market yourself, you basically find yourself on the, this is my defense against what's out on the internet. So you have the, that competition mentality based on gaming and it saturates everything with gaming, whether it's podcasts or TV shows that you're watching movies, 
there's always that that mentality of there's a winner and loser. And so trying to get onto talking to other gaming podcasts and stuff like that, everyone says, okay, well, you know, I want to be a YouTuber and I want to play video games. That's great. Here's a million other people that are doing that. How do you set yourself apart? And in the same breath, these other people that are starting to establish themselves see you as an opponent, basically. And it's mm-hmm. the same way kind of in podcasting. So basically what I've had to do with with just uh, social media and things like that were just completely get out of that mindset. No, this isn't competition. They're not stealing downloads from me. I'm not stealing downloads from them. And basically just kind of put myself out there to things that aren't necessarily gaming. So I've started listening to a handful of other podcasts, one being about movies and TV shows, which I'm not super big into anymore, but I like the content Uh, listening to more interview style podcasts, which will cover shows that do true crime and, and stuff I don't listen to, but still enjoy those conversations. I mean, I've got one, one of the first podcasts I ever guested on was, uh, was a guy that I met through Reddit just randomly, who's a pizza guy who basically drives around and just records whatever stream of consciousness he has. Hmm. So reaching out to that stuff has kind of given me that, that sidestep of, okay, here's this huge saturated market. How do I get around this saturated market rather than trying to just barrel through it? That, that, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I, I hadn't thought of, you know, I, I always talk about on this show that, that, podcasters are sort of in an interesting field as as far as media is concerned and that being you know podcasters youtubers uh twitch streamers even and and anything in in the sort of new media field i think is so much different because in in old media you've got your guy who is a marketer. That's all he does. And then you've got your talent and that's all he does. And you've got your writers and that's all they do. But, but in new media, you find, you know, 99% of the content out there is just one guy or, you know, one person, uh, who is writing and then performing and then publishing and then marketing. And so I, I think it's interesting how it, the new media sort of independent creators are 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 forced to be sort of jack of all trades kind of mm-hmm. uh, and, and with that i think also a, a little bit of that master of none at the same time <laughs> um <laughs> except for know. podcasts we have to be a master of podcasts first and foremost yes um, yes you to be able but, to but getting into that i was terrible about marketing my show like if people would ask me, you know, how are you getting your word out? How are you getting your podcast out there? It's like, oh, it'll it'll come naturally. I'll bug my friends and they'll tell people rather than talk about myself. And it's gotten to the point now where uh, if I'm not reading news websites for gaming stuff on my breaks at work or like right when I get home, I'm doing social media. I'm on Twitter, like sending messages and tweets it out to other shows that I'm a fan of that I want to swap promos with reposting episodes, uh, reading through podcast communities, trying to help out even completely unrelated to my show, just trying to share that knowledge and be part of this community. And now that I've kind of gotten into the podcasting Facebook groups and stuff like that, it's been a huge help, not only with getting my show out there and getting those downloads and stuff like that, but just that sense of community that I didn't really see when I had started out and being comfortable with, hitting up a show like yours saying, Hey, you know, I want to come on as a guest and, and talk about what I do. Whereas, you know, a year ago, I would never have done that. Right. I, I think, and that's something that I had to get over as well. You know, I, I've had a couple guests on my show that are, you know, when I first started and I was asking, you know, for, for guests, I was first going for shows that had uh, similar audiences to mine as, as far as, like size uh as far as the size of the audience goes and so of course i was we were all kind of yelling into the into the ether you know and Mm -hmm. so i sort of had to had to get over that mentality of well you can you know 
reach up. You don't yeah. have to reach either down or laterally. And so I was able to get some, some, some guests on who were, who were hosts or, or contributors to, to much larger shows. And I, I had to tell myself, you know, the worst that they can do is not reply or yeah. tell me to go fuck myself. And so yeah, I, and, and I've been doing that a lot recently. I've actually been, and this is kind of the first time I've announced this. I've been working on another concept for additional weekly episodes or biweekly episodes for my show that does have an interview format to it. Uh, won't get into the details of it because it's still very loose uh, concept right now. But I've had to reach out to the people that I'm like, I've talked to this person maybe once because I ran into him at a gaming convention. But let's see what happens. And most of the time, I don't get a response. But just recently, I had uh, sent a email out to a prop builder cosplayer that I'm a fan of, uh, who's local to the area, and just reached out to him and. He was basically like, hey, yeah, I'm interested, um, but we're booked up for the year, so try again later. And I'm like, okay, even just a response to tell me no is an improvement, and it's a step in the right direction and helps get past that nervousness. So, so yeah, hopefully that, that, that'll work out. Exactly. I've, I've had to, um, and, and I noticed it's sort of leached into the rest of my life to have been, been taking more, uh, more chances on, on that whole, the, the worst thing that can happen is someone tells me no. And, um, and so I've noticed an improvement there. But I think, you know, for anybody who's just starting out too, it can be intimidating because I think we tend to, uh, sort of, I don't want to say dehumanize. I don't think that's the right word. Um, it doesn't have the right connotations for what I'm looking for. But we kind of put these other hosts on a pedestal, you know, when unless you're talking about something like, say, a, an earwolf or or some other, you know, large podcasting network. 99% of the shows that you're listening to, even the most successful shows, are just a dude sitting in his room with with a microphone and 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 plugging it in and so i think when when you can kind of think of the shows that you love listening to and realize they're just doing the same exact thing that i'm doing i think it becomes a lot easier to to reach out to those people just because you're able to kind of i I'm having trouble finding the right words for this without having all these negative sounding connotations to it, but bring them to your level, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, and I see what you're getting at. Like, um, just this last summer I was at the Penny Arcade Expo, uh, PAX West, and there was a, a, a panel that basically, long story short, it's them playing a wrestling video game with a bunch of games journalists and personalities in the industry. And at one point, uh, Dan Reichert from Giant Bomb, uh, who is a member of a show that I listen to weekly, uh, was just walking by and I broke that mentality of, oh, okay, yeah, this is a guy who is out there doing the same thing I want to do and has essentially made it. And I just kind of stopped him and said, hey, you know, I do this podcast. I gave him my business card. I said, look, I'm not looking for a job or anything. Just, uh, kind of wanted to chat with you for a couple minutes to see if you had any tips and pointers. And it was a genuinely friendly conversation. And he was super supportive of it because he had been there and said, okay, you know, just keep working at it, get your weekly episodes out and just put out a product you're proud of and enjoy what you do. And being able to hear that from somebody who we would probably put on a pedestal was super encouraging. So I want to kind of springboard off of that advice and and ask you another question that I uh, I, I I wonder about a lot of uh, or with a lot of podcasters you know is is the idea of putting out consistent content you know when I first started that was the advice that I was given as well is the the most important thing that you can do is put out a consistent product um, you know always release when you're supposed to release and and like you said, put out something that you're proud of. But I think sometimes it, it, it is really a, it's a chore to, to get in front of the microphone sometimes. Um, you know, I think that there, there are some days where, uh, y you know, 
I've got to put out a show and you just, you're not feeling it. And I'm curious if you've ever had that experience and sort of what you've done to, to deal with that. Uh, generally speaking, when I first started out, I had that a lot and I still get that from time to time. Uh, there's some weeks where, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in gaming news. There just really isn't. And to know that I have to go out there and throw myself out there in front of people and say, Hey, I have nothing to talk about for 20 minutes. Let's try to make this work. It definitely does feel like a chore. Uh, nowadays, when I get around it, it's because I know people are listening and people are downloading. And what I'm putting out there is basically a service to these people. The idea behind the show being, okay, come and listen to my short little podcast so you're not wasting your time through the week. And having that mentality of I'm helping someone, even in such a minute and minuscule way, kind of helps out that that burdened feeling of I have to sit down and record and go on social media to basically pimp out my show and waste, you know, my Tuesday night doing that. But in the same breath, it still happens. There are still days where I'm at work thinking, okay, I'm off in two hours and I have to go home and spend another hour doing my show notes and an hour recording and then two hours for this and then make dinner and go to bed. And there goes my Tuesday. And it's just something with like with anything, with any sort of hobby, it can be a chore, but you just have to power through it and remember why you're doing it. And and so I wanted to ask you it kind of going going back a little bit to the 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 whole uh prepping for the show. Um one one of the other questions that I had that I, I wanted to ask you is, you know, in the in these this kind of scope of of gaming news, I'm I'm curious what in your mind um what that encompasses and and if there's any topics or any kind of um any kind of like subjects that you you tend to maybe go eh, that's not really my lane or not not what my show is about um and kind of how you go about that sort of sifting through that kind of stuff so the way i see it is anything that's making major news in the gaming industry and affecting the gaming industry deserves to be talked about now uh, uh going back to ea because it's one of the big topics right now with loot boxes and stuff like that People are talking about it and people want to know what's going on with this and why is this a big deal? So that stuff definitely makes the show. As far as the stuff I try to avoid, uh, specifically Kotaku, which I've been reading Kotaku for probably close to a decade now. That used to be where I would go for all my gaming news, but now when I'm on the site, the entire front page is opinion pieces and basically BuzzFeed clickbait style articles. And that kind of stuff is what turns me off of things like uh, videos on YouTube and stuff like that. It's the, this is a waste of my time. This isn't news. This isn't information that I need to process. So I keep that mindset when rounding stuff up. That being said, as far as stories I avoid, I, with the sexual harassment allegations, that stuff, I was a little weary on whether or not I wanted to cover on the show, but I figured it was, a disservice to just completely avoid it and would just expand that issue into an even bigger thing. If people are avoiding it, not paying attention. So I had to suck it up and said, okay, this is what my opinion of this is. I'm going to throw myself out there. If people have a problem with it, that's fine. You can contact me. I will talk to you about it. We will come to that, that middle ground of understanding. And if this turns people off of my show, then, you know, honestly, maybe my show's not right for them. Uh, that being said, there is stuff like a lot of the news around the adpocalypse on YouTube and, and things like that. I try to avoid that stuff because I feel like that's more in the entertainment category than it is gaming, even though a lot of it does come up because of guys like PewDiePie going out there and saying the N word in their live streams. I'll kind of touch on it, but I won't dedicate like a good chunk of time to it. Just throw it out there saying, Hey, this news is out there. If you want to read it. There are plenty of people covering it. Go ahead and check it out. But I'm going to move on to this other topic. So um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I think one thing that I think is so interesting about, you know, kind of watching the the gaming industry as a whole, you know, and, and, and this is, again, as someone who 
sort of more passively is involved in the in the in the whole uh community um one thing that i think i've i've found so interesting is is how and it's just sort of always been kind of an undercurrent but as gaming has become more and more ubiquitous with 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 just daily life in general and 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 become kind of more more normalized in a sort of way um i think one thing that i find really interesting is is the conversations on the the culture itself um and sort of the the real world implications of a lot of it you know i i personally you know what one of my biggest interests is is in uh you know social issues um and and getting more and more involved into social issues i found myself kind of jumping down rabbit holes in uh sort of more of like the uh i think they're they call themselves like the skeptic community in youtube um which a, a lot of those guys i think got their start from uh gamergate you know um yeah the 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 sargon of akkads and 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 those those types and i think you know it it it's just it's really interesting to see how the culture of gaming has sort of split off into sort of your your two different factions where you know back when i was a kid it was you know i have a playstation you have a nintendo 64 and that's what the conversation was and now it's you know i think that we should talk about the over sexualization of women and the other side saying well i think uh it's just a game so what are you upset about and it's just interesting to see how how these sort of things have sort of expanded in the culture and 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 been brought to the forefront in a lot of ways and and kind of where things have splintered off just from these these fringe groups that have then begun diving into you know political realms and and it's it's just it's a weird it's a weird thing (laughs) well and part of that goes back to like when growing up as a kid and you know, the Nintendo's coming out and you have those, the, the console wars between people, but even dating back prior to that, you had basically the nerd geek culture that was, that was crapped on all the time. And, you know, talked about being, you know, you're just a guy in your parents' basement sitting in the dark playing video games and that negative connotation that came around for so long. So as these, as times have changed and, and social issues come up and these, and the realization that, this culture has expanded and it's more inclusive now and things need to change. On the other hand, you have the people that say, well, no, this is what I know. This is my protection. I need to protect it from change because my safety net is gone. If it changes coupled with the mentality of getting back to talking about uh, podcast promotion and stuff like that in the gaming sense, then it brings up that, this is my opponent mentality because that's what these people know. This is based on video games. Video games are winners and losers. There's no compromise. There's no in between. Therefore this social issue involving video games means there can be no compromise. There can be winner and loser only. So I think that's part of what fractures off into, into these separate sides of things, but much like anything else out there, Gaming has become more inclusive, whether it be gender issues or uh, racial issues or identity issues, things like that. Gaming as a whole has basically tried to say, no, as gamers, we are adaptable. This is what we do. By playing a video game, we are solving problems. We are adapting to it. Therefore, if this is an issue, we can adapt and we can overcome it. I I, I like I like how you put that, you know, and, and I think... Um I think a lot of people tend to get kind of caught up in the in the extremes of both sides. That being, you know, um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? I think uh, there's a personality. I think his name's. I think it's. It might be Thunderfoot is who I'm thinking of on YouTube. He, he seems to be one of these people who's very, um, very fixated that's i think that's the Mm -hmm. kind way to put it with um you know anita sarkeesian um Mm -hmm. and sort of views what i think is a discussion you know um sort of like you said views it as a tax and views it as as sort of um 
not necessarily what it is, which is a discussion on aughts, you know, a discussion on on culture and on philosophy and takes it more as a discussion of you have to do this. This is the way things have to be. And um, I think, and, and this is not exclusive to the gaming community. You know, you see this mm-hmm. in hell, the last election, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it is sort of this, this partisan mentality that I think has, has started to leach its way into the culture as a whole. Um, and I think that's also something to, to, to say with, uh, the rise of new media, you know, where these people have a voice and, and these other people who maybe are on the fence about something, but are leaning in one way or the other can get kind of swept up in this, this sort of partisan way of going about things and then seeing the other side as as a they instead of mm-hmm. as an us yeah and part of that is kind of what's expanded gaming and technology and that culture in general was the rise of the internet and being able to go out there and put your voice out there and connect with people that agree with you if you're wrong on something which again getting the right and wrongs if you have a specific viewpoint that maybe not everybody agrees with but you then find this this fractured group that does agree with you, that's just reinforcement and backing you up for you to think you're right. And like you said, that's kind of happened in everything. Every culture issue, every, every medium, that's kind of how everything has started to blow up and get as big as it has. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think that's something that I was made aware of. I, I was, I was made, uh, uh, stunningly aware of in, in this last election in, in that I noticed I was finding myself in echo chambers. You know, I consider myself pretty left leaning, um, you know, just right of a socialist, I guess is, is how I would <laughs> kind of classify myself in a, in, in a, in a nutshell. Um, and that's really simplifying it, but I found myself, you know, kind of in echo chambers, you know, and I was, I was reinforcing my own beliefs. And then, um, anytime that I was sort of challenged on those beliefs, one, one of the side effects of getting in those echo chambers is you're not able to defend your, your positions. You know, you're not able to explain to somebody why you've come to the conclusion that you've come to, you know, I, I can't, you can't, for instance, in, in something that was relevant to how I feel, you know, you can't surround yourself with people who all say universal healthcare is something that needs to be a thing. And if you surround yourself with those people, then the second that you come across someone who says, well, wait, I don't agree with that. You can't defend it. You have no real way to, to know how, how to breach that topic with somebody because you've never been challenged on your beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I find myself listening to now I listen to a lot of left leaning podcasts. I also listen to, um, a few far right podcasts. I listen to some centrist podcasts and, um, I think listening to those opposing viewpoints can be difficult at first. Um, because I think we all sort of have a, have a tendency to think that the things that we believe are the obvious answers. And so, when you hear someone going against those obvious answers, it, it can be really frustrating because you think, well, how, how can you possibly reach that conclusion? And, um, but I think it, it's helped me to become a lot less extreme in my viewpoints. Um, and I think it's yeah. something that a lot of people need to do. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that was all. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've tried to touch on with, uh, adding some more personality to the podcast and these issues that, you know, keeping that mindset of, I will cover this issue. I will explain my viewpoint and I am okay with an open dialogue. And that's part of why no matter what I talk about on my show is this is what my opinion is of this. And this is why, and it's not a, I am right. And this is how it is because I say it's this way and you're listening to me for the longest time doing uh, some ga- the game reviews that I do at the beginning of the show. There are some games out there that I don't enjoy 
And for the longest time, I was just saying, okay, I don't like this. I don't like this, but it's just not for me. And so I've kind of had to get away from that and say, no, okay, they know it's not for me because I don't like it. So let's say why it's not for me. And this isn't a dissuasion of don't play this game. Don't buy this game. It's these are the issues I have with it. You might not have these issues, but you know that this is my personality. And then keeping that mentality when I go into difficult topics on the show as well. So on on that on that sort of note, I, I do want to um, I do want to ask you kind of how, where where your stance is on um, the sort of objective part of of reviewing things. I know. Um, going back to for instance this whole thing with ea that you were talking about and mm-hmm. um uh just for any listeners who aren't aren't uh you know involved in this or aren't interested in this just kind of to, <laughs> to boil it down and tell me if i'm i i got this right uh okay. it's, it's sort of like a extreme pay to play and then the the justification was you'll feel proud when you get it um was kind of where the backlash came from and so it it was a number of different things. It's it's a really long story, and I I, I think in my newest episode I titled titled uh, that show note as issues with Star Wars Battlefront Two Part Two because it's been an ongoing thing for the last <laughs> probably two months at this point. Uh, but basically, what happened is uh, for anyone not into gaming, I'll try to break this down as much as I can. Of video games come out, it's a one time sale. That's how they pay their people. In the original culture of gaming development, once the game came out and those people got paid, they got laid off because a studio wasn't creating additional income to keep them hired. So then turns uh, downloadable content and bonus content and premium content that people could pay for that would supplement that time and keep the cost of video games down for consumers. Fast forward to EA and loot boxes and blind boxes. Basically, they have a card system in the game that you can unlock by playing the game, which is how you progress your characters and upgrade your characters to still be competitive with everybody else. The downside of that, though, is that some of the stuff that you wanted to unlock in this game would take 40 hours of playtime estimated to be able to unlock one version of this while there's still four more of these. Fast forward into the microtransaction part, the additional uh, revenue that they're trying to bring in. EA then goes out and says, okay, we understand you don't have time for this, but you still want to play this game. You still want to unlock this stuff. Well, why don't you pay us for this? And we'll go ahead and let you unlock it. We're not charging you for this. You can still unlock it in game, which is the right mentality, in my opinion, of this kind of content. But then to go on, they did a uh, AMA on Reddit that basically said, okay, this is our justification behind it. We wanted to set these levels to where you could feel accomplished for the time that you spent. You felt like you did something worthwhile and unlocked this character. So then you raised the question of, okay, well, I should feel accomplished for, for what I earned when someone can just pay you and bypass it, which gets into a bigger discussion on just economics in general and things like that. But so it raised this huge backlash and they've since kind of stepped it back uh, just this week. I believe it was Friday. They actually pulled the microtransactions after all of this. So there will be a part three to this story on, on next week's episode. <laughs> so g- getting, getting to that, um, what, what, uh, and, and thank you for breaking that down um, mm-hmm. because it, it, I think it segues perfectly into what I wanted to talk about, which was the um, sort of the objectivity of gaming journalism. Um, because I know a lot of sites would, would uh, when the reviews were coming out for it, were kind of saying, you know, graphically, it's really good. The gameplay is not bad. Um, the microtransactions are a thing. And um, <laughs> so even though there was all this backlash, like I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the reviews were still coming out halfway decent um they weren't giving them all you know one stars basically mm-hmm. um and so i think it 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 can be kind of difficult to 
keep that objectivity even there, you know, where you say, well, there's this one glaring aspect of it that's bad, but how is the rest of it? And um, so with game reviews themselves, you were basically much like rating music or rating movies or rating TV shows, you're rating an experience. So keeping that objectivity of I am rating this, what are the goods? What are the bads? If it's a negative experience, it has every right to be in that review though. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if you're going on and you're playing multiplayer against other players and you've spent 10 hours in this game, but you keep getting slaughtered because this group of people spent, you know, 50 bucks a piece to be able to upgrade their characters. That demeans the experience. So absolutely it should be touched on and it should be reviewed as such. I, I will say, um, and this is kind of a, a, a toot my own horn here for a second, but I think this was a lot of people. Uh, I don't think I was unique in this, in this field, but you know, I, um, I think I kind of anticipated this, you know, I was afraid of this, this whole thing, uh, when DLC first came out, you know, um, and, and kind of how, uh, studios started moving to, instead of just releasing extra content, um, releasing incomplete games, you know, releasing broken games, um, because you got to meet the release date and we can just patch it later. And then, um, you know, like stuff like one thing that I've always found it abhorrent personally is, uh, you know, the, the day one DLC. Um, I've always thought that that kind of thing sort of lets me know whether or not I want to give a company my money. Uh, you know, because if I, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for that. Like if I buy a car and then, uh, that doesn't really, that doesn't work. I can't think of a very good. I I see where you're going. If you buy a car and they say, okay, you know, the tires are extra. You still have your car. The difference with video games is that, those tires are there because it has to be functional. So it's kind of the mentality of, okay, you buy a car, but then you have to pay for the gas. If you want to keep using the car, you have to pay for gas. And so that's kind of the mentality I go with DLC of this is additional stuff that if I want to get more time out of it, I am willing to pay for it. If I've enjoyed it to get to that point, right? Things like cosmetics or like overwatch is a prime example. They have blind box, uh, uh, skins and animations and voice lines and stuff like that for their characters that I could play the game and that doesn't change the gameplay at all. I will 100% support that, that a game that I bought over a year ago at this point that I'm still playing on occasion, every time they do one of their special holiday events that have special skins, I'll be like, you know what? I've been playing this for an extra, you know, 10 hours this month when instead I could be buying another game. I'm more than happy to throw five bucks at you, 10 bucks at you getting into the day one stuff. For me, I'm I was on that side of it for a long time. I was on the, why wasn't this included in the game? You're going to put it out there stating, Oh, well this is bonus. And there's no proof of that. On the other hand, if it's something completely unrelated to the main gameplay aspects, uh, the main storyline and things like that, where it's obvious that this is a separate property that probably another team was working on. I'm okay with it. That's fine. I, I think, you know, the, the one of the, one of the ones that I, uh, that comes to mind is, um, uh, the mortal Kombat um, X, you know, released, I, I think I'm pretty sure that released with, with day one DLC or, or very early DLC. Um, and yeah, I, I believe they were like bonus characters right off the bat. Like if yeah. you pre-ordered, you got this character and if you didn't, you could buy it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I just, I guess I don't like the idea of specifically making additional things to wall off day one. Like I, 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 I I'm with you a hundred percent and I understand the, the concept of, of, furthering the experience you know and getting more out of the game after your initial purchase but i think on on the day one stuff it 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 it, it does feel to me specifically like things that were made specifically to get more money out of you um Mm -hmm. 
and that's kind of where I get the dirty taste in my mouth about the whole thing. Um, no, and that's completely understandable. And something else that I've kind of, it's been basically the uprising argument with this kind of stuff is there are companies that are trying to make money. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that is 90% of the people are out there to make money. I say 90% because there are that 10% that put games out for free just because they enjoy the community, they enjoy mods, stuff like that. They're not trying to make money. There are some of those people out there. But you have to also be okay with the, okay, I bought this game. I don't have to own all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to own this storyline. There's no, there's nothing, I can still get a complete experience without that. Right. So with the day one stuff... Yeah, getting into additional fighters and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm still kind of on the fence about stuff like that because it does change the overall experience. But if I'm going to buy, like, for Mortal Kombat specifically, I don't play online with it 90% of the time. My wife and I will play a bit, but I buy it because I want to play through the fighting game story that's there, which these additional characters that they released at day one don't affect this storyline. Right. So it doesn't change the experience for me. And I'm okay with not getting that. I'm not, I'm okay with not purchasing that additional content. And that's fair. I think, um, you know, that's, that's, that's why I like having these, these conversations. And this is kind of, um, a super, super low stakes version of it, but oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, having these, you know, conversations with people who have different opinions, um, you know, kind of help to further, uh, your own opinion. You know, I, I, um, I would say I'm, you know, having these kind of conversations, I have softened a little bit on DLC. I used to be, uh, very hardcore against it f- almost period, uh, you know, full stop, uh, just cause I was kind of under the mentality of, you know, I paid $60 for this in the first place. Um, and, uh, I think, the early days of DLC kind of really hindered it. Terrible. (laughs) Uh, Looking at you, Bethesda and horse armor. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, and that's a company that owes a lot of their success to the modding community. Um, I still play Skyrim to this day because of that. That's a whole different tangent to get into with the paid mod stuff, which would take up an extra hour of showtime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that's that's an interesting misstep that happened there as well. Uh-huh. Um, and the you know I don't like the constant um, the constant re-releasing of Skyrim. Um, I would like an Elder Scrolls Six at some point in time. That's not Elder Scrolls Online. Hey, <laughs> um, all I have to say to that is I'd wait over fifteen years for Fallout Three. So. <laughs> I yeah yeah I I was never I never got into Fallout. I always. Um, I have Fallout 4. Uh, I, I played it a little bit. I think it's a little too FPS for me. I know it's I, not. I wholeheartedly agree, and I'm a huge Fallout nerd. <laughs> that's that's uh, a little bit uh, validating. Because um, I just I never could get into FPS games. I was never good at them. Um, you know, I played Halo, and that was about it, uh, because I had friends who played Halo. But I could, mm-hmm. I could never get into them... Um, and that's uh goes into that objective that objectivity thing again you know doesn't mean first person shooters are bad they're just not for me um yeah yeah exactly my reaction time is not good so (laughs) i like games that i can kind of take at my own pace (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that that's that's the beauty of the gaming industry and and the gaming medium all around is there's stuff out there for you Mm mm-hmm there's stuff out there to make you uncomfortable. That's the entire reason it's there. And that's okay. So, yeah. I think that is a great high note to end it on. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, I, I always try my best to end my interviews on a, on a good note and on a, on a, you know, a good parting line. And I think that that, that's it right there. Um, <laughs> so let's shift the conversation over for a minute to, um, to the, to your show. Um, okay. you know, if, if listeners are interested in anything that they've heard here or interested in, in reaching out to you or listening to your show, um, how would they go about that? 
Oh, I'm going to jump into the tail end of my normal podcast. Uh, you can listen to the newest episodes at sometimesgeek.com. You can find the Sometimes Geek podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and now Spotify most recently. Oh, congrats. Uh, if anybody, thank you. That was a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to contact me, you want to discuss any of the topics or any gaming topics in general, or if you have questions about it, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at sometimesgeek or shoot me an email, sometimesgeek at gmail.com. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your Saturday evening to to come on the show. Um, I had a great yeah, conversation, man. and I hope that you did as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Awesome. Well, you have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah, you too. That does it for this week's episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on whatever app you are using to listen so you don't miss a single episode. If you like anything you've heard today, links, as always, are in the show notes. To find us on social media or to send us an email, check out thepodcastingcouch.com and just follow the links to wherever you want to go. As always, this is The Podcasting Couch. I'm Chris Carlson. Be decent. The Podcasting Couch is executive produced by Sirenicide and is completely listener-funded. To contribute to the show and help us bring you new shows every week, visit www.patreon.com slash thepodcastingcouch and become a producer. Be decent.